Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the program. Today we're talking about the General Services Administration's Federal Acquisition Service. I moderated a recent panel hosted by ACT-IAC. The panelists were Crystal Philcox, the Assistant Commissioner for Enterprise Strategy Management, Sagar Samant, the Associate CIO for Acquisition IT Services, and Judith Zawaski, the Assistant Commissioner in the Office of Systems Management. First, we hear from Crystal Philcox, the Assistant Commissioner for Enterprise Strategy Management. I actually was just moved into, a couple months ago, a position of running Enterprise Strategy Management for Federal Acquisition Service. And one of the things I picked up under that role was leadership of the Federal Marketplace Strategy. So we had an industry day on this uh, back in December, if uh, a few of you were there, and heard a little bit from um, Stephanie Shutt around mass consolidation, the multiple award schedules consolidation, and uh, also from... Uh, Laura Stanton on commercial platforms or, or the, the e-commerce portals that we're exploring right now. So those are just two of uh, the projects that are actually falling under the federal marketplace strategy. So first of all, I just want to emphasize what this is, right? It, federal marketplace is not going to be some place where you can come and log in and put your password in, that sort of thing. It is a strategy. And so the trick will be, you know, how do we execute on that strategy going forward? The main components, right? The strategy is really focused on experience. So I am pulling in as many things as I can find at GSA that have to do with improving the experience of interacting with the agency for both buyers and suppliers. So, uh, but particularly for, for, uh, for you all, increasing standardization for you, uh, reducing burden, uh, making sure that you have of uh, easy access to work with GSA, that it's easy for you to know when you should respond to, to something. And it, it's really, uh, the federal marketplace is, the strategy is more than just updating um, contracts or systems, right? It really encompasses both the policy, the process, and the technology. It, you know, policies, things like uh, uh, Jason mentioned, the OLMs that we're implementing now. You know, we're also looking at how to uh, get rid of that best interest determination process around schedule consolidation, um, which you've heard a lot about, should make things much easier and uh, much less burdensome for suppliers and uh, other other projects that are out there like um, like eBuy Open, uh, like Inform, have to do with really reforming um, processes across the board. And then the technology, things like um, Advantage, Refresh. We're, we're also working on uh, a catalog system that um, just kicked off, which should help dramatically in terms of being able to organize our data in terms of the products and services that you offer and being able to turn that back around to buyers so that it's clear to them, uh, very clear to them what's available. So Federal Marketplace, we've got four cornerstone projects that really fall under um, that strategy. So the mass transformation, um, the commercial platforms, which includes those e-commerce portals, and that one, um, I think uh, you have uh, probably heard that we're looking at focusing on purchases below the micro-purchase threshold of 10000 right now. Uh, we're going to start there, expand from there. The contract writing system. So we are looking at uh, developing a new contract writing system internally. That team is cranking away. They are crafting process ma- business process maps right now um, to help us understand 
what really is encompassed in a new contract writing system. They're getting down to sort of a, a level three, you know, definition of process maps, and those are going to uh, we are going to share those when those are when those are complete. Then that system is uh, it, it it's got to cover a lot, right? So we're looking at that covering acquisitions for the schedules for all of our IDIQs for global supply for AAS for TTS. So there's a lot of types of acquisitions that we're going to have to accommodate in that contract writing system. And then catalog, as I mentioned. So certainly the goal is to is to be able to have something where, where you can pick out a two or three or five uh, products that are similar, be able to hit compare and look at them across the board and figure out what it is you, you need to purchase. Um, but data is key for that. Um, and figuring out with you, um, and that's that, that team will be coming out uh, to our suppliers to figure out with you what's the easiest and best way to do that. How do we get your information into our system so that we can then flip it back around to buyers so that it's clear and, and uh, easy for them to understand what we have out there for purchase. And then pulling in some other, other projects that would include anything that is buyer or supplier facing uh, that really can uh, impact the experience of interacting with GSA. So, so like I said, the question is how are we doing that, right? How, how do you execute on a strategy when you've got all of these different kinds of projects that are, you know, cranking out deliverables over the next 12, 18, 24 months? First of all, Federal Marketplace, uh, one of the goals of Federal Marketplace is to make sure that the deliverables coming out of those systems uh, don't crash into each other in the end as they're, as they're rolling out, right? There's a lot going on at GSA right now. So um, making sure that as those deliverables roll out, that they're done in a way that is um, clear to folks, that gives you an easy way to um, start to transition over to, to new processes and new technology. So we're doing that partly through identifying releases. So a lot of technology folks uh, in the room will think of technology releases. These might include some technology. They might also include some business process. They might also include some policy. But the key is to tie those releases to particular use cases. So it's very clear to you what part of your process or what part of, for a buyer, what part of their process these releases are going to be um, uh, impacting. High level attention, really important. We've got, I think, the best opportunity right now with Commissioner Alan Thomas to really think about how to affect, uh, affect this experience interacting with GSA um, at a very high level. You know, the, we've got the leadership of FAS really looking at addressing dependencies between these projects, connections between these projects, so that it all fits together in the end. And then we're also looking at a focus on the digital experience and paying particular attention to that digital experience. We've got a lot of products at GSA that have a lot of different branding, a lot of tools for folks, um, particularly for buyers. There's a lot of different types of tools, and those have grown up over the years focused on a particular um, category of purchases. The idea is to, you know, use some human-centered design, be more user-focused, and really focus on how do we connect with you, with you, the supplier? How do we connect with you, the buyer? Um, how do we connect suppliers and buyers together um, so that um, it, it, using a digital experience that helps you walk through how to do that easily and, and clearly? So so those are, those are really, uh, the, that's really the how, right, really releases, very high-level attention, focus on digital experience. All right, there's so many questions I could ask you. We could have a, we could, all day we could talk. 
But I'll just throw uh, kind of one out there, and because it kind of caught my attention, among other things, is the GSA Advantage refresh and then the catalog. One of the things with with the e-commerce platforms is is part of GSA Advantage potentially was a part of that. Yeah. Are they connected, or is it just we were down the path on GSA Advantage anyways, and it just kind of makes sense now to do it? as we kind of look at this e-commerce platform initiative. There's a lot of businesses that have multiple channels through which to purchase, right? And I think we're looking at it that way. The e-commerce platforms will start sort of at a very, you know, beginner level, I think, and we'll we'll start with, uh, with those uh, purchases under the micro-purchase threshold and catalog also will probably start, you know, in chunks as well, might start with products as, uh, as opposed to services. The catalog is a very nascent project, so they are just getting started, and um, so I think there's more to hear from catalog about what we'll see from them as they move forward. And the GSA Advantage piece, is the refresh, is that also just getting started, or are you further down? Yeah. Or are we stealing Judith? Um, Judith, she owns all the transactional systems. Okay. (laughs) So um, I can let her talk to that, but yeah, further down. We have to take a break. You just heard from Crystal Philcox, the Assistant Commissioner for Enterprise Strategy Management in GSA's FAS. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. A federal career can last 30 years or more, and so can your federal retirement. Tune in to For Your Benefit every Monday morning to get the information you need to plan your retirement, maximize your federal benefits, and increase your financial savvy. For Your Benefit, presented by NITP and sponsored by WEPA, offers valuable information on topics of interest to the federal employee. Join us each Monday at 10.05 a.m. on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. For additional information, visit NITPINC.com. Government employees face communications risks daily, and the potential negative ramifications are staggering. While strong protections are in place for classified desk phone calls, it is strongly more difficult to provide these protections on mobile phones. Tune in April 9th at 12 noon for an in-depth look at government on the edge and the vital components of securing voice, messaging, email, and apps that share data. That's April 9th at 12 noon on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, sponsored by Black. What does it take to lead in today's federal government? Integrity, skill, and fierce resolve. For over 40 years, American University key executive leadership programs have been transforming good managers into extraordinary leaders serving at the local, state, and federal levels. A program ranked number three in the nation. Change your career, change your life with AU's Key MPA, now offering a 25% tuition discount for government employees. Learn more at key.american.edu. That's key.american.edu. Hi, it's Crystal from Monster. Did you know only 42% of federal employees feel their agency has the ability to recruit the right people with the right skills? One thing you can do today to find the right person is start using applicant assessment tools in your job postings. Monster has the technology and federal human capital expertise to help you do this. Monster is transforming the way government employers and federal job seekers find the right fit. Visit MonsterGovernmentSolutions.com to learn more. Thanks to the first teacher who took me seriously. Thank you to my science teacher. Thank you to my PhD advisor. You really made me feel like I belonged. You taught me to love science and find a career in marine biology. You were always there for me. You were a role model. Chevron supports organizations like TechBridge Girls that inspire young women to pursue STEM careers with hands-on learning and role models. Because when more girls go into STEM, the whole world benefits. Thank the role model who inspired you at thankyourrolemodel.com. This is Jason Miller, executive editor of Federal News Network, inviting you to listen to views from the corner office. 
Every week, we sit down with industry leaders who influence and impact the federal market. The show is not about the individual company, but about the opinions of the people who lead federal practices on technology, acquisition, and leadership issues. Tune in Fridays at noon on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, or subscribe to Views from the Corner Office on iTunes or Podcast One. This is Jared Serbu. I'm tweeting daily about the news that's interesting and important to the armed services and the defense contractors who serve them. Follow me at WFED. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller. Today I'm playing excerpts from a panel I moderated on GSA's Federal Acquisition Service, sponsored by ACT-IAC. In this segment, Judith Zawaski, the Assistant Commissioner in the Office of Systems Management, discusses how FAS is bringing together strategy, technology, and product management to support their customers. We have made a very dedicated and concerted pivot in how we are addressing both our customers and our vendors, as well as our workforce, which is to say we have married together in a concerted way strategy, which is what Crystal's here representing, product management, which is what I'm representing, and the IT that fundamentally supports all of that. So rather than looking at it and saying, hey, I came to hear about professional services and how GSA is going to enable professional services, or I came to talk about IT products or global supply and stores in, uh, in, in bases overseas, what we're here to talk about is really how we are working together to bring, knit all of that together in the way that we approach not just our investment and our spend, but how we work together with you. And 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 that's what's important here, because this is how we're working together uh, when we're not on a panel. Um, we've, we've made that change. So I sit in the Office of Systems Management and the Federal Acquisition Service, and I'd say right now we have three key things that, that we are working on that we are making um, rapid change in. One of them is around this enterprise perspective. We have stood up uh, something for the first time. It's, we refer to it because everything has an acronym. Never mind that, but it is the Fast Systems Governance Committee. And what that is, is it's a committee that really is looking at all of our investments and our IT development in a holistic and enterprise perspective. So rather than business lines jockeying for dollars for their own things, we're really more looking at how can we make best use of our colleagues in GSAIT, the capacity and the capability that they have to support our industry partners and um, make tools available to our customers, and how do we do that holistically? How do we make great decisions together for not just limited dollars, but limited capacity, and how do we prioritize that? And so again, rather than it sort of being that knife fight of different business lines saying, me first, me first, it's what can we design together to best allow the customers to get to the mission-critical services that they and, and goods that they need. Um, so it's a little bit of a different um, way of looking at things. It is a, a new committee. They, there are real dollars going through it. There are real decisions going through it. They are making recommendations to the commissioner on a weekly basis. There are great enabled leaders in the organization, and um, we will continue to work that way. And it really has brought to light 
opportunities that we haven't seen before for us to be able to um, work together and think together about how we look at it. So it, as you know, as industry partners, right, customers don't come and industry partners don't come to do just one thing. They have many things on their mind, and we want to approach it that way. So that said, Crystal has someone from the federal marketplace who is an advisor on that committee, as well as Sagar has actually many people who come to that so that we can understand the implications of our asks and wants and needs, and, and we're not making decisions and recommendations in a uh, vacuum. So that is a key uh, major initiative that we have launched and is ongoing and will continue to ongo. Um, the two other areas where we focus, um, one is um, on our, the side of our office that is very internally focused on all of our fast business systems. And I'd like to highlight, I think, um, one of our product teams, which I think highly represents sort of our goal of what we want to be across all of our systems. So we have a product team um, for GSA Advantage, there you call, um, and eBuy. So you will notice that there have been recent changes to GSA Advantage. There have been recent changes to uh, eBuy. And this um, in ways that we haven't done before. And it becomes feasible because we have set up an alliance where we have named a business owner within the business. So that is an organization that is actually touching the customer, touching the vendors, understands these things, is able to get that feedback and bring it to the table. The Office of Systems Management has a product manager on that who is really running all of those requirements. And, and sort of translating those business needs. And then we have what you would think of, you know, pick your word, but like a delivery manager from GSAIT who is actually working to uh, make that come into fruition. It is uh, a team that I would hold up as our stellar team of how we want to cooperate internally and how we can make changes. So to that extent, because of that, just to give you a real example, we were able to take advantage of some security needs that the systems had. And rather than those happening in a vacuum, at the same time, we were then able to do some user-centered design and uh, um, human-centered design work and make changes to uh, the interfaces um, and it's, you know, I think better use of our dollars, and uh, it shortens the release cycle um, and makes real functional changes. So that would be an example of how this is working together. And then, of course, um, there's that little program we have um, also within the office called um, the Integrated Award Environments, and we are, we're, we're really excited about the work that's going on over there. Um, and I have probably been singing this song for almost longer than anybody in this room because it's, I have a long history with IAE, and I'm very, very proud to be associated with it. We're able to uh, retire the first of the systems uh, that was CFDA. For most of the people in this room, probably less interest because it's a, around uh, federal assistance, but it was certainly a proof positive of, of the road Map. And then we were able very recently um, to retire peepers, if you, if you don't know this. So it's not that past performance has gone away, so don't, don't go there. Um, <laughs> but um, peepers and, and, and CPARs are uh, sibling systems, and they had different uh, user experience. They had different logins. They had different requirements. And as, as part of our path to move forward and bring those all into what eventually will be what is beta.sam.gov, 
we were able to migrate those functionalities together, the underlying structure as well as the user experience, and really set those up for easy success in the future for the migration. Mr. Miller over here might be interested to hear that the next, and I, and I think he wrote about this, that the next uh, system we plan to uh, move over into beta.sam is a small system called uh, FBO. And uh, so... I, I'm not familiar with that system. Well... Can you... Is it, is it, is it when was it built? 1982? <laughs> so... <laughs> So, you know, FBO is actually a really good story because I'm old enough to remember going through onion paper looking for opportunities. So there we go. And I'm old enough to remember uh, different agencies having different portals for you to look for opportunities. Um, so FBO in and of itself at some point in time was a really good news story. Is it ready for a refresh? Is it ready for better usability? Is it better ready for better transparency? All of those things are true. So we do have really great, robust search capabilities in um, what is now beta.sam.gov, and we have great alpha testing. So if there's anybody here in the room who would like to be involved in the testing around opportunities, um, we have an open invitation. Um, and you're welcome to reach out to me afterwards and say, how do I get involved in that? But we do expect the functionalities for FBO to move into Alpha this fiscal year. And um, because we don't like to create havoc for either you or the customers in the fourth quarter of any buying season, especially a compressed one, we would expect um, those functionalities to move into a live beta in the beginning of the next fiscal year. So uh, I did actually write about the uh, latest scheduled plan for beta.sam.gov. Appreciate the update. It's always good to know that that progress is being made, but more progress is needed, as the GAO would tell us all the time. But uh, and PEEPERS is one of, still one of my favorite uh, acronyms in government. But that being said, um, let me just ask you one quick follow-up so we can get to uh, Sagar. The FAS System Governance Committee, I think that's a, a fascinating organization. Can you offer, uh, I think, especially for this audience, where's the, the user side of it? You have the IT side, the strategy side, the policy side, where does the user fit in? And, and then can you give me a sense of how, what the plan is to reach out to folks in industry to say, are we going on the right path? What are your needs? All the typical, you know, kind of things we talk about, but sometimes unfortunately doesn't happen or it doesn't happen in, in a way that all of a sudden you have a system and it goes, oh, that wasn't what we, it, this is hard to use or this is not what we expected or whatever. Right. So the principle that uh, we are using in all things, whether or not it's strategy or it's IT or it's in, in the design in between those two, is uh, human-centered forward. I wouldn't be the first person to say that. What is very interesting about the, is the governance is that each of our business lines represent essentially a business owner for a multitude of systems. In some cases, it's multiple business owners. So contract writing, obviously we have a lot of contracting officers and a, and a lot of um, partners that need to interface with these things. So the great example there is that we have one business owner, as it would, one project manager who is overseeing contract writing, and uh, she is partnered with the 
uh, entirety of FAS who was impacted by it. GSAIT is represented on that team. My team has uh, uh, product leads represented on that team. And so we're bringing together all of the experience there. As we start to begin to conceive of what those designs look like beyond uh, what is the need and what is the real need, as we start to conceive of what the designs is, we will, for each of these, begin to one by one bring in the users, whether or not those are the customers. So for example, GSA Advantage has a customer advisory board. And so we will begin to expand that as we do, say, for beta.sim and we have user testing. Um, we'll do the same thing in the fast-facing systems. We have to take a break. You just heard from Judith Zawaski, the Assistant Commissioner in the Office of Systems Management. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Every day, cyber attacks target our government, military, and corporations, all after one thing you. Most of these attacks are disguised as a simple email, and a successful phishing attack can expose sensitive information and even compromise national security. At Proofpoint, we stop advanced attacks before they reach your inbox. We also offer cutting-edge security awareness training so you and your colleagues can spot an attempted compromise before your organization is compromised. To learn more, visit Proofpoint.com. Here's Ryan Latre, Chief Technology Officer at Three Wire Systems on risk management, the core of continuous monitoring, sponsored by Three Wire Systems. At the highest level, continuous monitoring is the what, and C2C is the how. So in order for me to determine what is allowed to be done on my network, I must first decide what is allowed by policy and governance. Listen to the entire discussion, risk management, the core of continuous monitoring, sponsored by Three Wire Systems on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Search Three Wire. Three Wire Systems, along with Dell EMC, protects and connects America's most important investments. From people on the front line to technology systems online, Three Wire's human focus includes veteran reintegration, active duty coaching, behavioral predictive analytics, and support for military families. Three Wire's technology focus includes cloud migration, agile software development, continuous monitoring, cybersecurity, and case management systems. To learn more, visit threewiresys.com or search Three Wire Systems. Does the work of the Government Accountability Office advance public service? What are some of the key leadership challenges facing U.S. federal agencies? Join host Michael Keegan from the 2019 ASPA Annual Conference as he explores these questions and more with Robert Goldenkopf, Director, Strategic Issues, Government Accountability Office. The Business of Government Hour, every Monday at 11 a.m. on the Federal News Network. Hi, I'm Raymond Denon, Vice President of Optima Tax Relief. You don't want to mess with the IRS. They have the power to garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, and even take your home or business. That's all true. But thankfully, they're offering a way out, the Fresh Start Initiative. If you qualify, it could save you thousands. We're the experts at Optima Tax Relief. We will fight to get you the best possible tax settlement. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts from a panel I moderated on GSA's Federal Acquisition Service, sponsored by ACT-IAC. 
In this segment, Sagar Samant, the Associate CIO for Acquisition IT Services, talks about how technology is making FAS a more responsive organization. From a GSE IT perspective or FAST perspective, our strategy is built on uh, people, process, tools, and technology. And as you guys are listening, both of them, you know, I mean, typically my job is to actually do what they asked me to do. It. That's one. Uh, uh, but the other one, they also talked about technology. And that must have given you a pause thinking uh, it's about the technology and whose domain is that. Yes, it is a GACIT's domain. And in no, it's not. And I'll tell you in a minute what that means. Any technology that we do, it's centered around people. And the most overlooked part about any technology modernization or the business transformation is the people. So Judith talked about how we as a team working together, and that's a change management part of it. And it highlights the change that is currently driven by, in a fast, uh, both by Commissioner Thomas and Administrator Murphy in thinking in terms of fast as an enterprise. Think in terms of product. You must have dealt with a different business units in a federal acquisition services, such as GSNS, you know, ITC from a Schedule 70 perspective. So each one of these business units does have a services that they provide you, some of you, but when it comes to enabling that mission, we the change is thinking in terms of an enterprise. You could provide a services, but as we build the products in order to enable that mission, you could think in terms of products and don't think in terms of those business units. And that's kind of the part of a, the fast governance that uh, Office of System Management is leading. And it does help uh, IT in terms of, instead of building these solutions, uh, technologies in support of each business unit, because we do want to make sure those services are unique, but we do not have to have a product that are unique. And so that is a huge change. Uh, and the IT acts as an enabler for that. And just switching the focus from outward to inward, GSAIT, uh, as I talked about, we do uh, most of the things that we have been doing, it because Jason asked us what things we have been doing lately, instead of talking about initiatives because those are the outcome, I want to talk about the, 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 the work that we have been doing around people, process, and technology. As I said, the people are the major component of any of the transformation strategy. So we have been focused and we build the organization that is agile, uh, continuously learning, and collaborative. It's really important for an IT organization to keep up with the technology. Uh, the way we I'm doing uh, is we are sending people to a formal training, informal training such as this one, and having people talk to each other. Every Friday, one of the examples, every Friday I have a meeting where I ask each of my team to talk about either lesson learned, a thing that they did either from a technology perspective, or thing that they build in support of a business like an e-buy. And the idea is get people talk to each other, learn from in, uh, each other. It's like building a, a vibrant knowledge community. And our focus is on the people. The second part about the process, and I think both Crystal and Judith touched upon that, I think from a GSA perspective, fast perspective, we embrace this concept of agile. We move forward, we evolve in thinking in terms of lean process as well. So agile and lean, it kind of becomes a part of our DNA. That's what you see with three sitting over here uh, from a, a business owner, a product owner, and technology. 
that's how we see building product for fast, and that's kind of the principles of a, either agile or a lean. The next setup evolution for any of any of those things is get to the DevSecOps. I know some of you call SecDevOps or SecDevOps, right? Security is a, a, a center, front and center, and I, that's where I want to give a kind of analogy of a, of a, a car industry. In building automobile, you do have assembly line. You build the car. Your product is a, uh, building a car. But if you see the, the evolution of automobile engineering over the period of last uh, 60, 70 years, you're making a better cars, faster cars. In order to make that happen, you got to make sure there are tools that are supporting that manufacturing process in terms of lean or TQM. Similar thing is happening with the software engineering. Idea is we already got the business working with the technology. That's the software development. The second part of that is a deployment. The deployment piece is continuously integration and deploying it. For that, you got to have an ecosystem, which is DeusAgops. The second evolution is that automated. Why I'm explaining this to you as, as I see most of the people in this room are a service provider. You're potentially going to be our partners. What I do want to tell you that as an organization, we have evolved, we are matured from a people, we have right people working with us. We have a process, both from agile, lean, and a, and a, and a deus ex ops. We understand that we got to make sure that we automate those tools and technology in order to enable the deus ex ops, right? And, and so as you are trying to work with us, we are in a, in a, in a, in a, in a we, our thought process is aligned with you. So when we come and ask you, you want to build a product, better quality product, faster, better, we do understand it's not just the responsibility of the industry partner. We do have to provide that ecosystem that comprises of people, process, and technology. And the last part is tool. About the technology, and I don't know how, how many of you were there for industry day, but our technology, it's, a, it's a based on leveraging a cloud technology, not cloud. There's a huge difference between the two. We want to use open source. As much as possible, we want to use cloud, native cloud functions, but we are not shying away from using commercial official product or software as a service. The idea is based on the business problem we are tr solving, the architecture allows a flexibility in terms of using either open source or a native cloud functionality or any of the uh, uh, commercial official product. And the architecture has been built to support that. Uh, it's modular, it's scalable, it's, a, it's, a, it's a loosely coupled. So switching back to the business focus, IT is an enabler to meet the business mission. We are using IT around process and people to build a better product to meet the mission of a FAST. And that's all uh, for me, and I'm looking forward to your discussion. All right, we're going to get your questions in a second, but I'm going to ask uh, Sagar my uh, one follow-up. So there's plenty there kind of to dig out from, and I, I think I'm going to start with the I think the technology side or the process side and the DevSecOps. It's a, it's a big buzzword. We hear every agency say, well, we're moving in that direction. We're using it. Where are you guys at from a maturity level? Because I think that's helpful for this audience to know. Where are you in that process of, of, of implementing, whether you call it lean or agile, as you said, or just DevSecOps? First thing first, using a DevSecOps is a more of a, a cultural change instead of 
throwing stuff over the wall. You know, I'm sending information from the development shop to the deployment shop. So that's the first state of a maturity that are all the people are working together. The second part is a standardization of this process. And the third part is, you know, you're automating the tools in support of that process. To answer your question, Jason, FAST is a large organization and we have a different uh, uh, systems. So each one of my system that's supporting the business unit, it at a different stage of a maturity. And on one hand, it gives me a pause. On the other hand, I say that it's great. This is how it's supposed to work. And that helps me when I get people a team together. So I wouldn't say that, quote unquote, we are at a nirvana stage, but we are in a continuous learning uh, mode where we are learning from each other. And as with Judith and Crystal, we want to make sure we standardize those processes. So we have been seeing a lot of progress around making those process standard. But it, at the end of the day, it's based on the, uh, like the, the, the project that is ahead of everybody, I would say that's a Sam Go project that he's been doing this for the last four years. We have to take a break. You just heard from Cigar Samant, the Associate CIO for Acquisition IT Services. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. From PR to paid programs, learn what marketing is working for government contractors. Federal News Network. Search Amtower Off Center. Hey there, everybody. It's David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast, the D.C. area's one and only food and wine variety show. On Sunday, we'll be raising a toast to the Thai New Year with Thai Chef Street Food and Kaz from Kaz Sushi, the guy who brought sushi to D.C., will be in studio. That's Foodie and the Beast this Sunday and every Sunday at 11 right here on 1500 AM. Qualcomm believes the world should move in one direction, forward. They introduced the world to 3G and 4G, and now they've unlocked 5G. And with it, the invention age. That means smartphones with unprecedented mobile speeds. Cars will connect to each other and virtually everything around them. And your PC will be as connected as your smartphone. Learn more about the invention age at qualcomm.com slash weinvent. The federal government is constantly evolving, and you want to evolve with it. FedTalk is here to help. FedTalk brings together the federal community on Federal News Network, 1500 AM, every other Friday morning at 11 o'clock. Brought to you by the team at Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Tune in this week for a deep dive into the 2020 census, featuring insiders who are working to make sure that every person is counted. You can count on a fascinating show. websites in the world but there's only one that matters to the federal IT community welcome to askthecio.com the longest running program on federal IT featuring federal news network's executive editor Jason Miller askthecio.com exclusive CIO and IT decision maker interviews breaking news on demand and updated daily sign up at askthecio.com and become an insider with full access to federal IT news special events and actionable intel askthecio.com Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts from a panel I moderated on GSA's Federal Acquisition Service, sponsored by ACT-IAC. In this segment, the panel takes questions from the audience. The panelists are Crystal Philcox, the Assistant Commissioner for Enterprise Strategy Management, 
Sagar Samant, the Associate CIO for Acquisition IT Services, and Judith Zawaski, the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Systems Management. Hi, Jackie Everett with Lidos and also on the board here of ActIAC. You know, when you hear Marketplace, right, you can't help but to think about Amazon retail because that's just, I think most people have that experience and just kind of just run with it. But I'm also curious about the financial sides and where the office of the CFO fits with you guys. I know as buyers, not from a, a vendor perspective, but from an agency perspective, especially with P cards, right, there's an ability there to help them reconcile and, and translate and do some things with data to help them um, have this incredible experience going forward. And I'm just not sure where you guys are in that process or if that side is integrating with your strategy systems and stuff going forward. Certainly we work closely with CFO, and they are fairly involved in our investment process, right? So we are funded through the Acquisition Services Fund, and CFO helps us manage that process of identifying what's available in that fund, what we need uh, for operating expenses, what we have available for investment. And so we are connected in that way. And then as uh, the uh, governance, the IT governance group takes a look at what people might want to do in terms of investment. We are looking at that information that CFO has given us, um, trying to figure out, okay, what are, what are our biggest banks for our buck, right, in terms of being able to really impact the experience of buyers and suppliers, and, and where do we want to invest to make sure that that, that happens. So, so in terms of investment management, I think we're, we're very tied to the CFO. When you look at the marketplace, um, you know, they, the commercial platforms will have a report going to Congress at the end of March. Um, it's currently going through review at GSA and OMB. So they're well along their way to finalizing that report. And, uh, you know, I think I think as they have been out talking to folks and, and looking at um, the capabilities that some of these e-commerce platforms have, they were a little surprised about the B2B capabilities. Um, some of them are there. Some of them are pretty new, right? In some of these platforms, so so you know that that's part of what we're what we're looking at and why um, they are. You'll see in the report are going to make some of the choices that they've made on how they start. Part of agile development, right, is really chunking things out, starting starting at a at a place where you can create a, a base or an installed base of some sort, and then moving forward from from there. And so, I think um, what you'll probably see in that report is a, a lean toward uh, one direction or another on on where where we're going to start. And part of that has to do with the research that they that that team was able to do um, with some of these platforms that they were talking to. And then I'll do a quick plug for your CFO. If you haven't heard, uh, it, was, it was Gerard, but the last name, it starts with a B. Batarek. Batarek, thank you. Uh, he has a great story about robotics process automation and, the, and, and applying RPA to their data and to, to get better data and, and to simplify their process. Vasavi Govindan from Carson Solutions. Um, I'm curious about the contract writing system that you had talked about. Are you looking to consolidate all your uh, purchasing programs through that portal? Uh, what is your uh, strategy in that regard? So the interesting thing about the contract writing and, and the way that we have handled it at this point is really looking at starting with what are the, what is the scope of contract writing. And I think that if you brought 10 people into a room and you said, what is the scope of contract writing, you would get a good 15 answers. And so that is what we have been focused on is we have contract writing systems within the federal acquisition systems. We certainly have financial systems within the federal acquisition 
service. And we have many different procurement programs, whether or not they're schedules or whether or not it's assisted acquisition. And then the focus there is a, largely not just on awarding the thing, but of course managing in the task orders. We have, um, um, you know, the sort of requisition systems. We have big BPAs and we have underlying contracts, right? It's a complex environment. And so what the team is really focused on right now is what is the scope of that? What do you mean when we say contract writing? So that we're not trying to be all things to all people um, and that we can chunk it out and say where are we going to, where should we start? Not necessarily what's the easiest place to start, but what's the most impactful place to start, and then how do we expand on that? That defining of that contract writing system is really going to help us figure out for some of the other projects where they start and end, right? So if you, you know, you'll see from contract writing um, probably uh, late spring, early summer, some decision about about which way they go in, in terms of, you know, the, the scope, the, the full scope of that system and how they might want to fulfill those requirements, uh, whether that's expanding something we already have or going with something new or, uh, or, or some shared solution, right? There's a lot of options out there. But once once we can really lock down, um, so what what does that you know what does that mean in terms of the scope of that contract writing system? It, it becomes a lot easier to start to integrate things like that catalog into uh, into that contract writing system, right? So where where, did, where does that begin and end? Uh, and 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 which you know who's who's going to take on which pieces of um, making sure that we we bring that capability forward? You may have answered my follow-up, but let me just throw one at you. The Army, for instance, has a contract writing system, and other agencies have. Is, is that part of this initial kind of look to say what else is out there, or is it really just maybe focus internally first, and then that comes later? Um, so the answer is yes. The team has um, looked at not just what else is out there, but in many cases, um, some of our sister agencies have been great about even sharing some of the functional requirements that went into it so that we're not recreating the wheel. This question is regarding uh, the micros purchases that you mentioned. The question is whether these are for products or services or both. And if so, could you give you some examples of them? And is, is the $10,000 threshold, how was it arrived at? And is it an effort of offloading some of the lower value GSA schedule items to it? If you're looking at uh, the scope of kind, the kinds of things GSA sells, right, has available for sale through through you all, it's really vast and wide. And like I said, you have, you have to start somewhere, right? So thinking through all the complexities, and, and generally in a project like this, you want to start with the simplest thing first, right, and then build from there, uh, build in the complexities from there. Part of the thing that was making think the this uh, pretty complex as they were thinking through um, how to start offering a commercial platform was um, the the trade adjustment assistance compliance uh, with uh, products and and some of the restrictions around around that uh, and and you know made in the USA kind of requirements. So the micro purchase threshold allows us to move forward without having to come to final conclusion on the on that kind of a policy uh, because uh, that under that micro purchase threshold we we don't have to address that policy yet. We can address that as one of the more complex things as we move forward. And, and of course, the micro purchase threshold is. Congress just raised it to 10,000, mm -hmm. and they just, it's established in law, so it was kind of that demar demarcation, if you will, of, of what makes sense to pilot this. I think that was part of the, the discussion, too. Another question. There we go. Right here, sir. Hi, Greg Goodale, Gardner. 
Could you comment um, as it relates to the initiatives that we've talked or heard about this morning, can you comment about the current state of your enterprise data strategy and what this really means to your strategy as an organization as it relates to enterprise data and governance? I'll start with the strategy piece and then see if anybody else wants to jump in. Um, we are taking a look at data as a as a critical enterprise asset. And I, I think that we uh, have have had the same sort of experience with data that we've had with some of our, our systems and our tools um, in that they've sort of grown up in these uh, segments uh, based on the, the, the product or service that was being sold, right? So you've got professional services doing a lot of um, data analysis. You've got some, you know, IT uh, IT category doing some data analysis. So they have grown up that way. We are, we are starting to look at that as more of an enterprise asset, trying to uh, determine how we can get all of that data into a single location. Same issues that many agencies have in terms of multiple systems holding the same data fields and uh, identifying authoritative sources and uh, and that sort of thing. So we're taking a look at that. We are creating a governance uh, structure over our data so that we can govern that as an enterprise a little more uh, a little more tightly and uh, start to create a, a community of data analysts inside GSA that can that can really take advantage of some of the big data analysis that we have that can share share their best practices that can share their methodologies make sure that any any data that's going out externally particularly that um, that it's consistent regardless of um, of which data analyst is working on it right so so that everybody's clear on there's lots of opportunity for these data analysts to grow their practice, that it's clear how they can connect with each other, we're not uh, duplicating work, and that we've got more consistency in the, the results of that analysis. And then, of course, you guys have had a chief data officer, Chris Rowley, for we quite do. a while. Um, and he, he's, if you haven't seen him speak, it's, he's very good. We're actually um, working closely with him on, uh, he, he is in charge of implementing the new um, Foundations of Data and Evidence-Based Policy Making Act that was just passed, um, H.R. 4174, <laughs> which I'm very familiar with. Uh, and uh, and so um, so he'll be he'll taking the lead on that, and um, we're working closely with him on and, and I know I'll answer your question, but um, you mentioned also um, you didn't say the words data lake or data sea or data, whatever we're calling them now, but, but that sounds like where you guys are going. And is it just FAS data or is it also includes public building service data and OGP type data? Uh, and, you know, when you talk about everybody or just FAS everybody? Since you said data lake, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> uh, so instead, we talk about, you know, the, the, uh, 30 seconds. People used to talk enterprise data warehouse. Uh, we think in terms of logical data environment. It does have a data lick in it. The idea is, uh, you talk about Chris Raleigh, there was a D2D, but we did more of a front-end work. The idea is, uh, as Crystal said, uh, we want to understand the authoritative source of data that is a process piece of it, the governance piece, piece of it. From a technology perspective, we got the front end right. We got to make sure the, 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 the environment is right. And what that means is, 
as we move to our transformational initiatives, each one of them, just like the way we're going to have a one swim lane for UX or CX, we're going to have swim lane for data because you cannot just wake up in the middle of um, the next morning and say, I'm going to have a data strategy. It's like another buzzword that you talk about. It takes time. It's a marathon, and it's going to be part of every one of our uh, transformational initiatives, whether it's a SAM.go or whether it's a GS Advantage or the Federal Marketplace. So that's kind of our uh, – it's a continuous that's all the time we have for today. For this show, I played excerpts from a panel I moderated on GSA's Federal Acquisition Service, sponsored by ACT-IAC. The panelists were Crystal Philcox, the Assistant Commissioner for Enterprise Strategy Management, Sagar Samant, the Associate CIO for Acquisition IT Services, and Judith Zawaski, the Assistant Commissioner in the Office of Systems Management. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.